It's Monday, February 22nd, 2016, and you're listening to episode 35 of Roll Up and Die. Well, it's, it's a little known fact, but Matt has, actually has a hat where he has a pop filter like hanging off the front of it around him all the time. I just, when he's I just walking pull around. it down. Yeah, yeah. When, he's, when he's walking around the house. <laughs> Sometimes he I don't want my, I don't want my plosives to come out at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So how's everybody doing today? Yeah, doing all doing right. Pretty good. Weather weather's kind of wacky. Um, it was uh, minus yeah. like fifteen the other night, and tomorrow's going to be around forty degrees. So. Uh, really freaky. Sweet. Is it too <laughs> fluctuation? Yeah. Well, is it too it, early for a segue? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, don't don't pull the trigger yet. We're only a few minutes in. <laughs> people demand that we uh, that we banter more. Um, <laughs> then we'll catch all for that. No, uh, yeah, it, it sounds cool and all, but uh, what's going to happen is our driveway, which has like you know several inches of packed down snow on it, is going to start to melt and turn to slush, and then a few days later it'll freeze up again, leaving these these right. tire ruts. It, it's it, it's not great, but <laughs> yeah, then you just have solid ice on the roadways, which is not fun to drive on. Yeah, so. yeah. So this 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 I, if it was if it's going to be cold, just stay cold. If it's going to be hot. Stay hot. I don't care which. Yeah. Just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this uh, this fibrillating weather thing is just killing me. <laughs> Alex, yeah, I think we just touched on an accidental subject here that I've always wondered about. Yeah, I've always assumed that you had like a chariot, <laughs> like an actual like horse drawn cart. I, I pictured it like a sle- like a sled with yeah. like dogs, but not dogs. Something like fantastical reindeer, the, yeah, Peg- pegasi, yeah. Like what snow? Do I don't even know. Snow otters pulling it or something like that. What do you travel in, Alex? I'm I'm, I'm afraid it's pretty boring. It's just it's just a minivan, but uh, I, I do know by, I do know quite I do know quite a few people have to, What's that? Is it pulled by caribou? Uh yes in the winter. Great. Um two caribou power. Uh although it's funny at the at, at the library they uh in in, in 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 caribou they actually have a pic you know an old uh, black and white picture of uh, a, a huge sleigh being pulled by two moose which is just awesome. You know just That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just such a cool image. And uh back in the old days before they had um, before they had plows, what they used to do with the streets is they would uh, have te- have teams of horses pulling this huge concrete or stone roller, and they would just roll this roll the snow down flat and pack it down on the streets. That was how they um, oh, wow. they they kept the streets so people could you know pass through them easily enough. So it was just they wouldn't bother shoveling it or plowing it; just pack the snow down. Man, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the most dangerous driving condition next to slush. <laughs> well, like, screw it. Well, yeah, but they didn't drive it. And that's the point. They they had horses and sleigh and, and sleighs right. and all that kind of stuff. So oh, well, they didn't. That's a good point. You know, it wasn't. They, an had, issue. they had sleds with moose pulling them. <laughs> right. Instead. Exactly. Yeah. It's called a Buick sled. <laughs> it's a, it's a new model. <laughs> I'll always laugh at your bad jokes, Barker. Don't worry. Thanks, sweetie. <laughs> So, uh, today, actually, the reason that was a perfect segue earlier was that today we're actually going to be talking about extreme wetter, wet, extreme wetter weather. It could be dry also. Uh, we're talking about extreme weather. And uh, we're actually not talking about it alone because you've heard Alex's voice, you've heard my voice, you've heard the soothing, sultry tones of Matthew Click, but you have not heard the tones of our uh, special guest today on Roll Up and Die. We have... DBJ here from the RPG community, uh, from the Tabletop RPG One-Shot group. I believe, DBJ, you're part of the uh, many different communities on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, it's uh, DBJ, um, uh, Dave Brian Jackson. I have a YouTube channel, but it's easier to look it up if you just type in uh, Bring Back the Magic, which is probably a mistake on my part. Or maybe I should have named it that from the beginning. But anyway, 
Um, I'm an old coot. Like to give out my uh, my uh, two cents to the uh, RPG community, and I've been um, accepted with open arms, and so I'm just here to give back. I found a Jimmy Buffett song right on top of your face. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so search for Bring Back the Magic and then scroll past Jimmy Buffett and there's DBJ. There you are. You got him. No, you 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 start the music and you listen to it while you uh, you look for my ugly mug. <laughs> no. Well, um I think this uh this idea about the weather and the environment came about because um, it was, I had one of the, these ideas that I could have sworn it already existed after like 30, 35 years of RPG history. And that is that, um, you know, most RPGs, they concern themselves with combat and concern themselves with social interactions. But the third part, the exploration part of it, um, I always felt was lacking and um, so I had this idea because I love the environment and I love how it's like another character. It uh, can be very dynamic. And I started using it as a uh, as a, a crutch. You know, all all of us GMs have been around for a long time. Um, we have our like really easy go to's that make that impress other people. But it's just basically a cheat for us. And um, and the environment was my cheat. Um, I, it actually had nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. It was actually an old school Mayfair DC game and the uh, the old uh, face rip Marvel superheroes game. Oh, nice! And yeah, and every time we played, like all of my best bad guys were killed by my by my uh, gaming group, right? And but I was the game master, and I always had, always had to come up with these great ideas. And I said, "Man, what can I do?" So I started throwing at them the environment earthquakes fires um you know snowstorms heat waves like like power outages um you know car wrecks of falling buildings and crumbling bridges and i would just and i'd throw these things at them because it gave me enough time in my mind to think like okay gotta come up with a great idea and eventually my holdover idea became the idea it was actually a an accident like okay hey guys let's just let's just get started man there's this bridge and there's an accident on it and, and you know I'd, there'd be someone dangling and then all of a sudden i'd start making the environment more and more complicated until it became adventures unto themselves and so i put that on the back burner for like 15 years got back into gaming dungeons and dragons you know fifth edition comes out i'm like wow you know this something like this has to exist. Mm-hmm. Fifth edition puts out the free rules. I download it. I'm looking at it. They're like, oh, wow, we have combat, social interaction and exploration. I get to the exploration part and all I see are like traps. I'm like that. What the hell? That sucks. So so <laughs> and, and, and any anyone who's who's ever gamed for a long time, you, you know, and I know that traps in and of themselves, they they suck. I mean, they really it's it, it's the kind of thing that's like. It's so impersonal to take out your players that way. Yeah. And then if the players circumvent the trap, then it kind of makes, you know, it kind of makes you feel defeated. Like, wow, boy, I made this whole adventure with nothing but traps. And and in two minutes, they figured a way around it. And that's (laughs) unexciting. So I love puzzles. I love um, complicated obstacles that require decisions where every decision there's no correct decision to make so uh came up with this idea ran it past uh alex and he 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 took to it you know like a fish to water and um i'm so i'm hoping everybody else takes to it too oh yeah dude. And, and see i have been struggling to come up with good traps for so long and just now it hit me as to why because traps suck Thank you. Thank you. I never really knew that, but now I feel like I'm in a safe place and I can say that. Traps suck and blow at the same time. Yes, they do. <clears throat> yes, they do. But so do tornadoes, and tornadoes do it better. So uh, you, you, do a, 
you d- jumped w- into the pit with Alex. Into the pit. Into the fighting pit. <laughs> into, uh, the, into the brawling <laughs> pit. Into the lake of fire with Alex. Uh, uh, and and created this supplement. So, like, first of all, you guys got, you guys kind of did this in, in I don't want to say in secret, but you did it and didn't really broadcast it as le- at least as far as I could tell. Um, but you guys came up with this freaking awesome book. And talk about it because it's red. <laughs> it actually happened really fast. He, um, uh, DBJ just posted on on uh, I forget what group it was, even was now, and uh, um, you know I, I I love the idea, so I just uh, I thought it'd be really easy to to sort of you know put together and and uh, you know <laughs> and it was <laughs> it, it's just it's just a lot of fun. I, I love I love the idea of of uh, um cinematic environment environments and and um like he was saying there really isn't anything anything out there like that and and in general i think in gaming <clears throat> the environment is is usually overlooked i think at least as a um uh from the perspective of uh how of how it affects the players or the characters rather because uh it it you know usually that's the kind of thing that people kind of gloss over when traveling you know we're going right. we're going from here to there um you know the 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 arctic tundra is not something you deal with it's something that you you know you uh have a have a travel montage until you get to the dungeon <laughs> yeah you know you narrate it you narrate it and then <laughs> don't get to experience it yeah for yeah sure. basically i i, I kind of got caught up in 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 dbj's enthusiasm for it and it's i think it's a it's it was a great idea but i i just like the idea of um really exploring you know what how how, how environments can be used to enhance any um aspect of of a game whether it's an encounter whether it's a dungeon whether it's a um even even uh, uh, an adventure that's largely social in nature, because that that can apply its own kind of pressure to things. You know, having um, uh, like the uh, the recent Tarantino film, The Hateful Eight, where they're they're all thrown together because of a blizzard, so they're all stuck together in this one place. And now, so that's the plot, the bl- right there, boom, yeah, yeah. So the blizzard is a major factor in how that comes to be, and so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking the idea of using, using environs in that way. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm one of those, I feel like I'm one of those game masters that hand waves it more often than I should. And, uh, like I'm trying to be better about that. And I've, I've run some game recently that are more about survival and actually having the, the environment be a character in and of itself. Like, like you're saying DBJ where it's like, I, I kept running out of villains. And so I made the environment, the villain, you know, I made the environment, the antagonist. And it's like, that's a really good way of going about it is like the, the environment should have as many, as many tools, as many, uh, you know, uh, techniques for taking down the heroes and throwing, uh, obstacles at them as any good antagonist should. And, uh, the supplement I feel like just does a great job of that because it's like, you know, the different sorts of hazards and how to mechanically do them and, uh, you know, how you can really challenge your players with that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm reading through it. I'm just like, I could get a whole, whole few sessions out of just these, just these hazards, just with just this environment, you know, even without a combat encounter necessarily. Now, now before we move on, what's the supplement called and where can people get it? Because by now some people are listening and they're like, ah, stop talking about it. It's already sold. You don't have to sell it to me anymore. Where do I get it? Um, yeah, it's called Cinematic. Well, the ser- it's going to be a series. It's called Cinematic Environs, and uh, it's going to cover all sorts of environment. You know, these of cinematic environments. The first one is Arctic Lands, and it's on Drive Through RPG from Critical Hit Publishing. Um, but yeah, uh, some of the other ones we talked about uh, uh, are like Desert and. Uh, you know, the obvious ones like desert, jungle, things like that, urban environments. Um, one that one that that uh, DBJ came up with that really uh, blew me away that that I hadn't thought about before was battlefields. You know, having mm. a, you know a, a, the idea that that's its own environment. It really is. You oh know? yeah. And and there, uh, looking back, there were times when that would have been really useful to me as a as a as a game master to say, oh wow, this is 
Um, <laughs> I, I hadn't thought of that before. Right. Yeah. If, if I can um, uh, put my uh, two cents in there about the battlefield, um, I, I one time I I was known in my group for being like the five minute GM. I would just make up stuff on the fly and just you know we we start games without characters even just say okay here you're you know you come to the island or you're in the desert or something and one of the games that I started was um, a battle it was like a war and I had never I w- I've never felt comfortable with um, mass combat rules um, but I always loved like movies like uh, Black Hawk Down Band of Brothers like this like small squad things happening around them and so instead of in essence creating stats for creatures and making this vast army although the background was this war in in essence they were like obstacles and traps that they had to navigate through yeah. right so um i had this situation where like they had a uh, there were like you know piles of dead bodies and such and they had to scramble over these piles up and down these like massive piles and and they would lose a weapon and have to grab another weapon and strike somebody. And, and I had these like muddy fields, which they weren't, it wasn't actually mud. It was like they were falling into blood and such. And there was a, the corpse of this big giant on the battlefield and they could climb up the giant's body because the, the hair was so thick. It was like uh, like tangled weeds and such and climb up on his chest and everything. And they had a lot of fun, like, you know, um, just coming up with like improvised weapons and things of that nature. And I'd have these, it was almost like gambling in a way. Cause they'd say, okay, well, uh, what's the chance of you guys getting hit by, you know, a flood of arrows or something, or I'd roll a die and say, okay, you, you hear them. Um, they, they wave the banners and the archers are getting ready. You've got three rounds to find cover or you're just going to be hit with arrows. And it, and now after years later, it coalesced into something that I feel like the environment itself is really, it's like a dungeon crawl without a roof on it. Yeah. You know, like you can have so many obstacles in a way where, you know, from, you know, piles of bones and bodies and flaming pitch and arrows flying through the air and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, pieces of stone being thrown by, you know, trebuchets and things like that. You don't really need stats for them as, as characters, but just, okay, what's the chances of you being able to avoid these things or watching out for them. And as I started looking at the environment um i I know a lot of players and even game masters we kind of look at the environment or have tended to look at the environment as like a like a restore resource depletion system right okay you go from a to b they suffer a little bit and then they get to you know get to the end but i love the stuff like you know fighting on a frozen lake and what happens you know maybe the in the hobbit movie maybe it wasn't the best movie but i loved the action scene when you know oak and shield fights the you know the big orc and they're fighting on this frozen lake and yeah you know yeah. i i imagine someone like sliding across and falling and dropping their sword and and you know do you, do you decide to run or do you do you crawl do you you know do you reach your hand into the water to pull your companion out of the frozen river or do you turn around and, you know, fire off that flaming spell that might crack the lake or something? Yeah. And so all those things, I, I look at it more like a, I'm very cinematic and a movie driven. Yeah. I love scenes. I love the pacing. Yeah, totally. And so not only did I want to make an environment, but I also wanted to be able to like modify, have the game master modify the environment to add another level of a, threat or action in case maybe the scene wasn't going as well as they wanted or they wanted to to have it continue even further so i also wanted to do that too so and of course one thing that i think fifth edition dropped the ball in is that when i when i look through some of it you know you see some of the creatures and they have what they call layer actions and in my mind i said why didn't they take that further and divorce the layers from the creatures yeah, yeah. and oh, just man. make That's a book of layers yeah. and a book of creatures and just notate on the creature. They have this layer and just have, and I said, well, well, hell, why do they have to do it? I'll do it myself. And so in, in essence, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how the idea came to like, well, okay, you guys, you know, screwed up. I'll, I'll take advantage of that. Why not? You know? Um, but, but I thought that the, the well, yeah. 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 <laughs> but the, the layer action idea I said, 
felt too confined. It felt too singular. Like this lair is controlled by this being or creature, whether it's a you know a red dragon or a demon or something. Mm-hmm. I said, well, why does that have to matter? You know, the the environment can affect everybody. You know, yeah. a band of orcs go. You know confronting um the party in a blizzard affects them just as much as the player characters and that also brings into effect um my answer when you see many posts and this comes in a generations uh post where someone says that they don't know how to balance an encounter right and the environment is a really great tool uh, air quotes a cheat for game masters to use mm-hmm. to balance their encounters. It's a great equalizer, you know? man. It's just <laughs> everyone on an even footing. Oh yeah, hey you. If 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 you didn't want your first encounter to slay the party, throw in an earthquake. Oh well, half the bad guys are gone. You're done. You know your party, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, a, a blizzard. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can have a, a band of orcs, and you know maybe some of them are starving or frostbitten or whatever because you overextended you know what you thought was capable you know and then you can say well, wait a minute what if these orcs are trained in the the tundra and so what turns out to be a very boring encounter oh there's you know 10 banded orcs or whatever no big deal but if they're masters of the of the tundra and your player characters are not they're stumbling around they're blinded and then you have these these orcs that are like you know pe- uh, taking apart the party piece by piece because they're almost like these like winter wraiths or something like that. So the the weather and the environment can also help you um, establish uh, the creatures and the opponents that you have. And so I, I wanted to do that too. So uh, no, I, I think I'll let you guys speak. I was no, wondering. No way, dude. That's <laughs> awesome. Like seriously, that's the, and one of the things that you mentioned early on was the uh, you know you don't need to turn a trebuchet into a character. You know, yeah. you the it's the difference between saying, "All right, now the trebuchet is going to roll to see if it hits you with the big freaking block," <laughs> and it's like, no, no, and actually, it it could be just you're you know you're running through a battlefield and you need a dexterity saving throw now because an explosion from a trebuchet blast is coming, you know, and it's a battlefield like you mentioned, DBJ is it can be an environment so easily, and you can do that, you know, you're talking about a battlefield. But you can do that with anything. Squad-based yeah. combat. You can do that with a regular party of adventurers. Uh, by just, you know, try running an entire regular encounter like you usually would. But remove all the NPC roll tables. Or uh, stat blocks. Remove yeah. all the stat blocks and just say, instead of saying, all right, the orc's shooting at you, say, oh, arrows are incoming, you know? And it, it makes, at least in my mind, and you can correct me if, if you don't think so, guys... But in my mind, it actually makes the enemy a little more terrifying because I yeah, don't yeah. know who they are. I don't know how many hit points they have. So uh, yeah. to me, that, that ups the tension a little bit. Well, there's that old yeah. saying, like, if you stat it, they will kill it type thing. You know, like if you, if you if you stat something out, if you give it a stat block, if you give it numbers, then it's the players are going to kill it. Like they're going to yeah. find a way to take it out. But if you have something like I think the smartest thing is, like you're saying, DBJ, treat an environment like a dungeon or a puzzle or a series of uh, challenges you know don't think of it as like uh you know a place so much but it's like like you're saying a dungeon with the roof off of it you know it's like it's going to be a series of challenges that the players are going to have to overcome there's probably going to be some roles involved they're going to have to think on their feet uh you know it's like uh what's the difference between a puzzle where they walk into a room and there's clues for how to solve it and a blizzard and you're and they have to figure out how to find shelter or how to start a fire it's like it's the same sort of thought process that goes into it where it's like you have these elements that you have to work with now survive you know figure out a way to get out of this situation yeah and i mean the the environment adds so much to uh, to every to everything really it can add to the mood of it you know, yeah. uh, are they are they fight are they fighting just you know on a sunny day or is it is it a torrential downpour where they're they're splashing in mud and and you know if, again if you if you think of all these cinematic you know scenes you remember from movies, um, a lot of them were were dr- more made more dramatic because of oh, yeah. the environment around them. You think know, about uh, the when, I, when I was talking Helms about fighting, Deep. what was that? 
I was, I'm sorry, I was saying, think about the Battle of Helm's Deep, where it's yeah. it's bad, and then it starts raining. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. battle's about to start, and then it starts raining, and it's like, oh, man, shit just got real up in here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, man. I, I was also, the, 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 the immediate picture that came to mind, too, was, uh, it, it was uh, the end of Lethal Weapon, the first movie. Um, oh, yeah. They weren't. They weren't in the rain. When they're fight, but, but, they're but, fighting uh, in the yard in the rain and the mud. Well, what was yep. it, well what, it actually was. Uh, what was it? It wasn't rain. It was a uh, uh, hydrant broke. But it was basically the equivalent. Of oh rain. yeah, they ran into the fire hydrant. That's yeah, right. So, and it was just, it was just like up rain. In the air. Yeah. And 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 just having that, having that, the the mud and the rain and everything like that just made uh, uh, what would have been a normal, you know, just a, a standard fight into something more. And and yeah. that's what the environment does. It can make th- it can make this cool thing into something much more. It, can, it takes a it takes yeah. a fight and it makes it an action set piece like it makes yeah. it an event like a very it, and like it's that very cinematic kind of feel absolutely that's right and and it can it can also ramp up the tension or add a timetable to things if yeah. uh, you know if if you know if a volcano is erupting nearby and there's there's a lava flow heading your way now you now right. you have to fight these orcs and get out of the get out of the way of the <laughs> the, the incoming you know lava that's coming <laughs> right. down or the right. the the ash cloud or whatever it happens to be you know there, there's there's now this added pressure which adds the tension it adds to the timetable it gets gets the yeah the, the the players moving basically i wanted to right. and um the one thing i've always uh, what i love about the uh about this idea of you making cinematic environments is that there's no right answer right there's no it's not all or nothing you know a, a tr- the classic traps, you know, you miss a saving throw, you're dead, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, do we solve the puzzle, you know, roll, make an intelligence roll, yes or no? And what I love about the environment is that it can it can be used and extended over a longer period of time. Um, and also, w- one thing that I've noticed um, that maybe people don't realize is the, the idea of foreshadowing. Um, whereas a, a, a foreshadow of an event can really allow you to give your players an option without the game master um, sugarcoating or handing out things to their players. So, for example, the, the idea would be um, you, know, you enter into the tavern and it starts to rain outside, right? So. If you if the game master later on when they exit the tavern now it's like torrential rain it's downpouring maybe they they have a it, it's hard for them to see they don't see the 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 muggers that are going to attack them you, you've already established ahead of time the events that lead to that um, that discovery and that drawback when those players go out into the torrential downpour. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you could have, it starts to snow and as the players are getting closer to the mountain, the, the, as the snow gets deeper and it gets colder and the winds start picking up, when, when the, as a game master, when you, you put your players into a dis, disadvantageous situation, they are already psychologically prepared for it as opposed to just you walk into the room, make a saving throw versus death. Right. Um, mm. Yeah. I like that foreshadowing too. I mean, it, even, and that's what Alex, Alex sort of touched on this too a little earlier that the mood, you know, it just affects the mood of something. If, if it starts raining, you know, that, that could be uh, a great prelude to, you know, you're actually about to meet the villain of your campaign or something. Or uh, if, if the, if the the world is just eerily silent as the snow has stopped falling, and if, if, you know the snow is just absorbing all of the sound, and mm. you know you can hear maybe footsteps in the distance, you know that's the environment creating a situation that builds and, or creates tension. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about this earlier that I wanted to ask all of you a question um, because you know we're talking about extreme environments. Uh, different sorts of environments, and we should probably—I don't know—before we before in our idea that we, people can steal, we'll talk about uh, something specific. But hmm. I was thinking—I w- I wanted to ask you guys if you—I know the answer for Alex and myself is yes. Have you ever <laughs> been an in an, an extreme environment? I think those were words. Uh, <laughs> the second question is, what was that like? And the third question would be, 
how would you convey that those feelings you had that uh, environment in a role playing game you're talking about in real life right now in real life <clears throat> yeah okay well i mean i live in western washington and we get a lot of rain um but it's it's kind of that just constant rain you know like it's not it's just a little bit kind of all the time we don't get a lot of like torrential downpour like curtains of rain coming down it's like you know people in washington don't carry umbrellas you know because we just don't get that downpour that often but i remember one time i was driving this was like uh six or seven years ago i was driving uh down uh 167 and it was raining a little bit and then it just started raining hard like harder than i think i've ever seen it rain just buckets and buckets and buckets of rain to the point where it's like my windshield wipers can't go fast enough i can't see like, I feel like I'm driving underwater. <laughs> I can't see behind me. I can't see to the side. I can't see in front of me. It was the first time I've ever had to pull over because of the rain. Yeah. And I just remember that that panic and that claustrophobia that came from just realizing just how heavy this rain was and how if if there was someone in front of me that stopped and I saw those brake lights, I would not have enough time to stop my yeah. car. And not only that, but if I hit the brakes, I would be hydroplaning just, I would be sideways. You know, I would just, yep. my car wouldn't even wouldn't even work like that. So... That that feeling of panic and not being able to see, I mean, I feel like I could really easily describe that in an RPG mm. of like just rain that just soaks you immediately. Like there's no there's no pulling your hood up against this rain. It is you are <laughs> drenched immediately, and it's it's raining so hard that you you cannot see more than a few feet in front of you. And I can't imagine having a combat or any sort of situation like that where you're needing to survive in that sort of weather where mm. it's it's windy and raining yeah. like that i mean it would be uh, just cutting your sword through the water would be i mean that would that would be an effort in and of itself trying to fight the way you've been taught to fight or s get off a spell you know you're yeah. looking through your spell book and the rain is hitting the spell book and you see the ink running you know stuff like that i mean that yeah that's cool stuff so Hell yeah yeah <laughs> oh man you had me at swinging the sword through the water and that being tough <laughs> just describing that in a game is like oh god i'm in it i'm in it to yeah well, just being weighed down by the rain, too. It's like, you know that feeling when you're soaking wet and you're wearing, like, clothes? You're wearing actual clothes, and it's just, like, that heavy kind of chafing feeling? Like, imagine wearing, like, robes and having the <laughs> robes just be soaked, man. I mean, it would be heavy. You'd be exhausted, so. Why do wizards yeah. even wear these hats? This yeah. <laughs> it's to keep the rain off their robes, bro. Oh, man, if you go, if you go into the water wearing plate mail... You know, you, oh, be, you better yeah. be, you better be, you better be good at taking that off because yeah. you know, you're gonna be dumping your armor if you if you want to make it to the surface again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about you, DBJ? Have you ever been in an actual extreme environment? Um, uh, I'm in Ohio now, Central Ohio, but um, I grew up on the East Coast, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, and there's a, quite a big difference in snow. That's going to be my extreme environment. Um, Midwest snow is like often but little bits you know an inch here two inches there and it flows through but on the east coast storms come up from the south and just pick up that ocean water and the worst storm i was in was 33 inches of snow <laughs> and it was so okay they measured you know snowfalls usually near like open field airports and so it was 33 inches on a flat surface, but it also snow drifted. Oh God. And yeah. there were six, seven, eight foot snow drifts. Um, and it was so, it was in one sense, it was really peaceful because the snow was like this big blanket that, that uh, kept everything very quiet. Mm -hmm. And you could hear, it's like, you could hear your, your own breathing. And it was like, um, making any noise or walking through the snow just seemed like it was so loud because you were disturbing the, the peacefulness. Mm. But on on the other hand, as uh, the day or two later, when people were trying to get out of the um, out of the snow and get out of their homes, where to put the snow and what happened with it? How it just became this dirty, slush filled like. Uh, miasma. It was just everywhere. I mean, you could not, you, you could not avoid walking through snow up to your waist at times. And, you, you know, walking in a straight line in any direction was near impossible. You, you'd have to look, you know, hundreds of feet ahead to, to find your pathway because 
as the streets, the main streets were plowed, they would pile six and seven foot high snow drifts blocking the main, the, the artery streets. Right. I mean, the, the small streets into the artery streets. And I just remember um, stores not being able to close because uh, I, I, I work for the post office. So we, we were sent out to dig out all the, the blue boxes where, you, you know, you put your letters in. And what normally took an hour, there were f- a crew of five of us and it took us 14 hours to dig out and find every one of these blue boxes. Some of them were were literally knocked off of their, they were bolted into the concrete and they were knocked off their posts because you couldn't see them. And as the uh, the crews were, you know, shoveling the snow, they just, you know, three tons of snow piled over. And so they were lost in these big snow drifts. And the community came out, we got hot chocolate and it, it just became a different thing. People's attitudes changed. And so I think, mm. Uh, extreme environments not only does it bring out the bad part meaning like power outages and you know people robbing stores and and taking advantage you know the police can't get, and emergency crews could not get to everyone mm-hmm. but at the same time uh because people couldn't leave their homes except to hit the front doors there came this uh, more camaraderie and they got to know each other so I think extreme weather also changes people's attitudes as well. You know, mm. you get this, you know, adventurers come in and, and like, like the hateful eight, you know, they, they come into the tavern, it's snowed in, no one can leave. What do you do? Someone says, Hey, let's play some music. Let's play some games. You know, you get to know each other. And then all of a sudden, all these people who are trying to, you know, sit in the corners and pull their hoods up and I'm Mr. Mysterio. Now they have to, you know, they're being pulled out of their, you know, pulled out of their, um, their, their comfort zone and like, hey, come on, let's dance, let's talk, let's, you know, what what have you been, you know, doing? We're going to be here for a couple of days anyway. What, what is it that you're like? What are, what are your dreams? And so I, I think weather can bring out social interactions. And um, I just, I'm just a real proponent of the the cinematic feel of it. Just the, the you know, sliding in the snow and 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 the, the rain drenching everything. Like you were, um, you were saying that where, you know, you try to open up a scroll and read it and it just, you know, the ink gets washed away or, yeah. or, um, you know, everyone, you, you try to cast a spell and I'm going to, you know, burn them to death. And you realize your spell only goes about five feet because the rain just washes it out or something. And I, I love putting players in a position where they have to make a choice like that or th- rethink what they consider to be a norm, you know, mm. Hey, my, my PC in a void can do these things. That's true. Okay. Yeah. But what happens if they're underwater or yeah. what happens if they're hanging off of a cliff or, and even beyond weather, I just love environments in general. Um, I did a video talking about one simple thing and that was the, uh, the rope bridge, like mm. the classic yeah. rope crossing the chasm, swinging back and forth, broken slats, bridge like so there's something about that classic image to me that just makes me think like how many memorable ideas you know uh do you run across it do you, do you crawl do you go one at a time does everybody go across do you cast a spell does somebody cut the rope does, <laughs> does somebody get their foot tangled and hang upside down you know and so all of these things in my mind i, I it just made me want to create something so everybody else could say let me flip to one page boom i could do it and, and I'm ready to go make uh, make some memories. So yeah, I love the rope uh, bridge uh, uh, <laughs> reference too, man. Because there are so many movies <clears throat> with that exact same scene, mm, but it's never that yeah. exact same scene. They're all different. They're all great, and they're all intense. It's you know yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that you know once you see one submarine movie, you've seen them all. But that's not <laughs> the case with rope bridges. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see all the rope bridge movies. <clears throat> <laughs> but that's, that's really cool. One of my um, sorry, good. No, I was just, I was just I was just about to say that you know we're talking about extreme environments and it's kind of like it makes you think weather. But that's a really good point. It doesn't always have to be weather. It's you know you just mentioned something that is it could be in t- extremely peaceful outside and that rope bridge is still scary as fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well on a normal day i'm not crossing any rope bridges no I, yeah that's okay 
Um, but it's a great. But one one movie, um, maybe not the best movie in the world, but one movie that I think really took an environment to the extreme was the uh, second Matrix movie. The the entire sequence of events on the highway. Yeah. That whole. Oh yeah. The whole from from the the gunfight in the streets to pulling onto the highway mm. to the martial arts fight in the car to jumping from one roof of the car to the other fighting on top of uh the the uh, tractor trailers um driving a motorcycle you know went yeah. the wrong way through traffic um th- like that whole i mean essentially it was just a highway and some automobiles and i i loved how they created you know each scene was like stepping up the the intensity of the next scene like okay what are they going to do next and then when they you know use a katana through the 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 rear suspension of a suv and flip it on its side you're like okay they can't top this at all um but (laughs) but that's that is that is my like to me that's like the the epitome of the, the action sequence in a role-playing game because hmm. s- oftentimes dice and numbers don't get you there, right? Like, y- you know, if you if you just go by the numbers, you, you're just going to roll some dice and you'll, you know, I, hey, I rolled a 20, let me do double damage. No, I, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to, you know, shove this thing into the guy's eye and then he sticks against the wall and I rip, the, you know, the blade out of his throat. <laughs> and uh, you, Dice don't tell you that, but... But, you know, that cinematic action, you know, can really build into that. And when players, I love it. To me, the payoff is when players are invested in the environment and then use it. Like, I love that. I love when they, you know, pick up a dish and hit somebody over the head or swing from a chandelier or or something. (laughs) And, you know, don't ask me permission. If if you think there's a chandelier, then there is one. So just swing from it. You know, just just do it. You're you're my spirit animal, man. You're my spirit animal. (laughs) I'm telling you, I tell, you know, one of the things I tell to every single one of the players that ever sits at the table is, okay, this is how I this is how I GM. Um, There are two types of players. The first player walks into a bar. And ask the GM, hey, is there a tankard of ale on the bar so I can hit this guy over the head with it? And then I have to answer. The second type of player is the guy that walks into the bar and says, I pick up a tankard of ale off the bar and I hit a guy over, over the right. head with it. And that is, in, that is my type of player. Yeah, I can build definitely. off of that. I, I don't want to make everything from scratch. I want you to make something for me too. And then I can build on that. And using environments in that way, I think, is just one of the best ways to do it. For sure. Right. Um, as a rule of thumb, because sometimes game, especially new game masters, are afraid of that kind of player agency, and some players may be nervous about inserting um, inserting things into the environment because they feel they don't have permission to. And my yeah. rule of thumb is um, the game master is the director of the movie and the players are the actors, right? So imagine you have these great actors and they show up for a scene in a movie. And, you, you know, you, you get your, you know, your Tom Cruise's or, you know, Hugh Jackman or something. If Hugh Jackman says, you know what, I should have a cigar in my hand. The director is not going to tell, you know, he's like, fine, put the put the cigar in your hand. You know, as a player. Someone get this guy a cigar right now, please. <laughs> right, right. The, the players are the stars. So it's like as a player, you can pick up and go into the prop closet, start pulling out props. As long as you don't change what the director's vision is, just start adding things into it. Add something, you know, yeah. the tankard of ale, the swing on the chandelier, the, and I, I even love the, um, the beats in between. So I, I'll give an example. Um, someone rolls dice, they want to strike an opponent with a sword, right? It's a very simple thing. But the beats in between are like the, the, the sliding across the table and, and, and you know, grabbing the, the, the waitress's uh, apron off of her hip and throwing it in the in the, the the bad guy's face before you smash him in the you know with the hilt of your sword or something. <laughs> Those are like little beats in between that mm-hmm. me, I don't you know, you don't need rules for that. You don't need rules. They it's a beat in between <laughs> yeah. from the actual role that the character makes to succeed or fail. And then in between that, there are these other exciting little beats that happen that fill the scene until the next pass fail comes along, you know, 
And yeah. I yeah. think those things, you know, the environment can really fill those together. Um, taking the, the, the barroom brawl fight, uh, you know, even further, you know, you've got tankers of ale, you've got the, the chandelier, maybe uh, something catches on fire. And it starts, you know, burn. Someone gets thrown through the windows out front. Someone always, always slides down the, the bar um, to the end. Someone always yep. jumps behind where the uh, bartender is. And, you know, someone flips a table over, hides behind it from like gunfire or arrows or something. Someone's got to jump from the uh, the catwalk above. You got to fall down through a table from above. You know, see, and they're classic tropes because, because they're fun. And even though a lot of times yeah, we've seen awesome. them before – there's a reason why they're cool because it's like, yeah, I want to do that. I, I want to, yeah, I want to exactly. either do that to somebody or have it done to me. I don't know why that's cool, but yeah. I want to go through a plate glass window and survive. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's a mat in, in polite too. society. Yeah, we don't do those things, but yeah, I like to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. no, absolutely, man. I mean, that's uh, absolutely. There's a reason why those things are are archetypal. You know, it's a reason yeah. why they're so ingrained in us, and why we why we love. You know, no matter how many times we see, you know, a Jackie Chan movie, and he does the whole like put the thing up just in time to block the thing, and then put his face behind it, and then hit the guy with it. It's like we've seen that every <laughs> single Jackie Chan movie, but every time it happens, we're like, yes, yeah. that's so awesome. You know, and yeah, man, tropes are tropes for a reason. I think that's we'd be so mad true. if we didn't see it. One game, yeah, one exactly, game. exactly. <laughs> like, where the what? hell was the thing where he raises the thing in his face and to block the thing, and then he shows his face and then he hits the guy with the thing? Where was that thing? <laughs> one, oh, one, game, one game that does this sort of thing really well is is Fate. Um, yeah. They have yeah. Uh, these aspects for people who aren't familiar with it, and characters have aspects, but also locations can have aspects. And you can yes. put aspects on locations, and, you know, uh, and those aspects can be then employed to affect you know the the characters and the characters can use them to affect other npcs that sort of thing so um i I think they do it pretty well too where where um anything that you do to an environment or or that the environment naturally has is an aspect that can be that can be utilized and uh i think but i think i think that thing kind of thinking can be used for any role-playing game really yeah I think the example used in the Fate Core book is the aspect on fire, yeah, which is just the just one of the most versatile aspects in the game. You know, if the place is on fire, I can say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, invoke the aspect that this place is on fire, and yeah. I'm gonna use it to set this other thing on fire, or I'm gonna light a torch, or I'm gonna throw a guy into yeah. the on fire, and he's gonna be on fire, and it's just gonna That's be right. every fire party." And yeah. and yeah, so if you think about that, think about your environments as constantly existent constantly moving mm. constantly shifting constantly reacting to the players and the players can react to the environment uh, and it's never static and uh and get that environs book too <laughs> <laughs> so we are we're we're about to jump into a- answering wait yeah answering yeah. a question if you guys are interested in doing yeah that. definitely yeah absolutely so we are at facebook.com slash roll up and die fruit roll ups hot pocket and, <laughs> and every week we'll post our topic and you can post your question and we'll do the one we'll take the one with the most likes and we'll answer it um, and you won't believe this but we have a four way tie what nice. no way I swear go look at it four way tie with eight likes oh dang yep uh, you're right. right bring it on so this is do you want to answer all of them and we'll just we'll just there are four of us. Yeah. Well, let's see let's let's see how how quickly we can do them in a Yeah, no. let's let's do the first one and see <laughs> yeah, where we're at. Pick, yeah, pick your favorite. What are we are we are we on the clock or something? No. No. <laughs> um okay. Josh J asks, extreme environments can take many forms in the real world, but the possibilities are expanded in a fantasy world. What are some examples of extreme environments whose harshness is magical in nature. Hmm. I love That's that a good question. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I would start with um, taking a normal environment and then uh, ramping up the the danger level that you see normally, right? So, an example would be um, cold. Uh, an environment that's so cold that 
uh, simply, you know, stepping outside, you know, causes physical pain or harm. Um, or where instead of a uh, snow and blinding ice or something, it's actually like daggers of ice falling from the sky, literal daggers, whatever, or uh, combining two elements together. Like you have a very hot environment, but it's raining fire, you know, um, do though I think you can take that in that idea of taking what we normally know, like rain, snow, hot, cold, earthquakes, and just ramp it up to the point where it becomes physically dangerous for us humans even to uh, exit outside into the open um, and just turn that into a fantasy nice. thing. But yeah. uh, what's the game? Uh, Planescape. Planescape does a good job in mm. terms of creating um, various environments in other uh, dimensions. And so, mm -hmm. you know, where it affects gravity and light and time um, and uh, distance and perception. And so, yeah, messing with those kind of things as well. You know, like uh, what's the, the artist? MC Escher. You know, mm -hmm. take a look yeah. at one of his drawings and just turn <laughs> that into a room. You're just like, what? The, what do you mean? You can walk on the walls? Sure, you can walk on the walls. You know, well, how does that affect an arrow? If you fire an arrow, does, is the gravity affected by that? You know, and uh, those questions would be kind of cool. So that's that's yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I like the the raining fire too. Like, yeah, combining different types of if you're talking weather, combining different types of weather hazards into yeah. you know rain mm -hmm. fire. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, just and taking something that happens in the real world, I think that's great advice. Taking something that happens in the real world and just amping it up a little bit, like you know, uh, in 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 my homebrew world, there's a desert that is kind of like a black glass desert that was created by dragons, and there's sandstorms, but the sand is like powdered glass, like it literally is yeah. like it, it, it's just it cuts you, and if it gets in your lungs, it just shreds up your lungs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like, man, you know what sucks? Sandstorms. You know what would suck more? this thing you know, like, that's even worse broken glass sandstorms right? yeah broken glass sandstorms that's, fiberglass that's, sandstorms that's terrible <laughs> yeah, like, like insulation just just flying around so itchy <laughs> no i mean that, that that's that's a great idea too you can have a, you can have i mean they don't necessarily have to be magical they you know depending on on the world you create they can just be uh different you know, they. I mean, if you, you can, you can look throughout our just our own solar system and see uh, uh, extreme, <laughs> extreme conditions pretty much everywhere. I mean, mm. uh, was it uh, Neptune? I think it rains diamonds. Uh, um, yeah. It, 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 on uh, on Titan, it rains uh, uh, methane, liquid methane. Yeah. You know, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, iPhones. those are obviously you know real extremes, but I'm, but you can still think of of what. Um, what sort of uh, effects your world might have? You know, are there uh, are there tornadoes in you know frozen areas? You know, for some reason, you know, could you have a snow tornado? You know, that sort of right. thing. You know, the, oh, and the if I can add a little uh, a little bit of a cheat, um, flip through and pick a really good spell, and or pick a creature. And make that the environment. Like, um, <laughs> nastiest things are oozes and jellies and puddings, right? And, yeah. and instead of making it a creature, make that part of the environment. Like, it's not alive. It's just that all the all the places of water are like black puddings. You know, you just have to – don't step in the, mm. in the, the, the blackish, you know, oily water or you'll be affected by it or something. <laughs> or, you know, you pick a spell – and, you know, I don't know, like a like a plague or something like that, except it affects 50 miles of of a countryside all the time. And you could really you know, you could really take that and extend it, you know, out. Now, I would mm. I would be hesitant to just make it a essentially like a damage feature. Um, I like obstacles, ways for players to avoid or to overcome or to have to choose you know between going outside or inside or fighting the enemy or avoiding the lava or something like that um i prefer obstacles as opposed to when you walk outside you just suffer damage mm. but that being said mm. yep. you know what just you could reskin a creature or a spell and and you're done 
Yeah, I like absolutely. the idea. You know, like Matt said, if you stat something out, they can kill it. But if you take that gelatinous cube and you turn it into a massive landscape that you're fighting on top of, that gelatinous cube is no longer a statted out monster. That's an environment that yeah. you have to worry about. I, I don't think that's how gelatinous cubes work. I've never used one. I, I would just, as someone who has uh, had two characters die to gelatinous cubes, I would shit my pants if there was like a mountain-sized gelatinous cube. Just I'll, like, I'll no! All I am right now is hungry, man. DBJ's talking about black pudding. And I'm like, oh my god, man. I, don't want, I want some pudding. I want some pudding right now. See, <laughs> jello so, cube, what? Yeah. So, so I th- you know what? I think that's a good, that was the good yep. question. Yeah, and it, you know that was a that was a great question to finish it off with, and we have a we'll come up with an idea that you can steal right now, and if it's okay, if you permit me, I would like to tell you a story about a real life extreme environment that I was in, mm-hmm. and and then we can build this adventure or this encounter for the listeners for them to steal. Uh, based off of this real life experience, if that's okay with you guys. Sure. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for our honeymoon, my <clears throat> wife and I went to Belize, and it was it was an amazing trip overall. Uh, but there was one little thing that was kind of an issue, but it didn't really bother us. It was Tropical Storm Ernesto, which <laughs> you probably haven't heard of because it didn't hit the United States unless yeah. you're uh, from Central America or Mexico, especially you absolutely know about Hurricane Ernesto because shortly after we landed, they grounded all air travel and uh, Hurricane Ernesto was on its way. And I, we were driving uh, to our this place we were staying, which is kind of like out in the rainforest. We weren't on the coast, fortunately, but uh, we were out in the rainforest and uh, these things were like tree houses, but they're not, when I say tree house, I don't mean like they're hanging in the trees. These things were very structurally sound. Mm-hmm. They were concreted in. They were just in the canopy of the forest. And so it was really just a beautiful scene. Um, and on the way there, I asked our driver, you know, what are you going to do when the hurricane hits? And he looked at me and he said, God, I don't know. And this guy is from Belize. <laughs> And I, and at that moment for the next couple of days, you know, we, the hurricane hit, it smashed into Belize and it kind of moved North into Mexico. I think it killed like 12 people and it was watching rate rot, watching huge trees just fall left and right, watching lightning that made outside look brighter than the brightest day I've ever seen in my life. And, and the, and the thunder strikes immediately as the lightning hits, there's no space between, you know, it's. Boom, boom, like like you're being bombed. But most of all, the fear of me knowing that there was nothing I could do, that I was no longer in control of my fate. If I was going to die here, not only was there nothing I could do about it, but even more scary, there was nothing anybody else who was being paid to protect us. <laughs> There's nothing they could do about it either. And that type of fear is the reason I can remember every minute of our trip to Belize because it was amazing. It was wonderful. <laughs> and in the end, that hurricane actually hit at the perfect time for us because we had to take two days off of the, you know, of doing touristy stuff anyway. So those were the two <laughs> days. But I would like to come up with an idea that people can steal that conveys that level of fear, of death, of just lack mm. of control or something. So I'm going to roll this d4, and actually that was that was me, so I'm actually going to roll a d6. Alex, you're going to be 1 and 2. DBJ, you're going to be 3 and 4. Matt, you're going to be 5 and 6. And whoever this is, just take that, and let's build a, uh, I don't know, a fantasy encounter or something for the uh, the listeners. And that's a 1, so Alex, you okay. go ahead and go first. You want to build off the hurricane idea, or it can be anything? Uh, the if, if, if it's okay, the hurricane idea. Yeah, I, yeah I no, wanna, that's fine. I want to use this, man. I want to steal it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, all right. So, hurricane. So, we're gonna say that this, um, this, this, this uh, adventure is gonna take place um, uh, on an on an uh, on an island that overlooks uh, not an island, uh, uh, a coastal 
uh, town that overlooks these these steep cliffs, and um, the uh, uh, let me think the um, uh, they've seen the storm sort of coming in. Some of the ships, some of the some of the uh, the ships that have pulled into port have reported that there's this massive storm coming in, and um, but they say that there's something unusual about this one that. Um, uh, some of the sailors have reported seeing uh, uh, some strange shapes moving within the clouds. Uh, they can't quite make out what they are, but they 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 feel like they're being watched when they uh, uh, when they go. To, so they've they've just started to um, they just started to to get away from it as fast as they could. And so there's, there's this there's this dark storm. And even as the uh, the 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 captain of the ship is is telling um, one of the characters who happens to be at the dock and points out to see you just see this dark line in the horizon uh, appearing as this uh, as a storm is 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 bearing down on them awesome so we got a town overlooking these very steep cliffs a storm on the horizon incoming and there's also some rumors about uh, some possible uh, mystical nature of these of this storm all right that was uh, dbj okay um, go and add to that. <laughs> the um, the player characters who would be um, on this island for whatever uh, purpose have um, established a uh, a connection with a local um, elderly couple. <clears throat> it's very nice. They approach them, um, and they decided to um, take a. Uh, they're retired, and they have a bungalow on the on the beach and the player characters may not remember this but um, a neighbor comes by and asks them to check on the elderly couple that's staying on this in this bungalow that's on the beach the, the water levels rising the storm you know is about to hit and when it was sunny and bright outside it was maybe a you know a few hundred yards away but in the in the dark and the storm that's, uh, you know, about to rage, there's trees have fallen. Um, you can barely see a dim light in the small bungalow and the, the others that are around them, other travelers and maybe vacationers or such, um, they're paralyzed with fear. They don't want to go out, but, uh, you know, maybe, uh, something draws, um, one of the player characters to check them out maybe reminds them of an old relative or they loan them um, a small item or it invited them to come over and said that they'd be there and when they travel out into the dark they realize that they very short distance away from their own bungalow they lose sight of it so between traveling from one to the other it's just complete darkness Storm waters are, are, are rising, and there's movement in the trees, <clears throat> some of which doesn't sound like the wind. <laughs> Everything we make is horror. <laughs> Everything we make is scary. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Oh, okay. All right. So, Matt. Yeah. Um, I just said your name for you no random, roll, for you a random reason because I got to roll for this. Yeah, I got to roll for it. Oh, Matt. You're up, man. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of latch on to something that Alex said and then something that DBG said, DBJ said. Alex said there that they were maybe seeing shapes in, in the sky, in the clouds, you know, and then DBJ said there's maybe some movement in the trees. I imagine that this storm is not... It's a living storm. There are beings within the storm that are of the storm. They are sort of humanoid looking, but they are composed of darkness and smoke and lightning. And when they move, you know, they sound like wind moving across the ground. And when, and if they speak, they speak in a language that sounds like thunder kind of rolling. And some of them are massive and some of them are smaller. And I imagine as the party is trying to get to this bungalow, as they're struggling against the storm and they see the light of their own, you know, their own place kind of disappear behind them, you know, maybe they catch glimpses of these dark figures sort of moving in the trees and they have to encounter these 
storm elementals for the first time uh, on the beach in the middle of this storm as the waves are kind of uh, encroaching on them. Nice. Uh, and, and the one touch that I'll add at the end is that um, there's not going to be a caravan uh, returning for two days to pick anybody up. And the storm is, is moving quickly in. It's, it's going to hit before that caravan arrives. And not only that, it's moving so quickly that you can't just walk away from this town. Like it's, it's going to reach you before uh, it's yeah. moving much faster than you are. And um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm feeling the chills right now already. You know, the <laughs> nailed it. I just I just love the idea of that fear factor that um, that true definition of horror, hmm. because, you know, horror isn't someone jumping out at you and scaring you. Horror is standing in in line of sight of something absolutely terrible that you can't stop. Yeah. You know, that's and so. Yeah, so this is uh, this is something that you really should steal, and uh, I think that uh, if you want to, uh, after stealing this idea, get on the Facebook page and tell us how it went for you and your players. I think that would be <laughs> awesome. Maybe we'll maybe we'll t- pick our top four and have people vote on the poll, and I'll send them a D twenty or something like that. I don't know. That'd be awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of roll up and die on extreme environments thank you so much dbj for joining us today uh this has been just a phenomenal episode i think this is probably the most helpful for me i am uh, the winds of sir Celine session uh first session of season two is coming up in a couple weeks and i'm absolutely gonna i've, I've already i've been taking notes for it while we've been <laughs> podcasting and uh and so it's been super helpful for me be sure to get uh extreme environs is that that's what it's yep. called Yep. Yep. Extreme environments. Well, actually, uh, cinematic environs. Cinematic environs, excuse me. Cinematic environs from the Critical Hit Publishing on a drive-thru RPG. And it's it's awesome. I've bought it and I flipped through it. And I'm so excited that I just hit my bowl of food while <laughs> pumping my fist. So, again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And, and I thank am you very much, DBJ. Again, DBJ. Um, you can find me on uh, YouTube at you just type in uh, "Bring Back the Magic," uh, not the song. And um, I'm also on uh, various um, <laughs> Facebook communities, and you'll find me. I'm the uh, old dude with the long dreads. <laughs> <laughs> and can you do me a favor, DBJ? Sure. Can you say, "Godspeed, blah." Godspeed. Blah. <laughs> You're a gentleman and a scholar. Oh, that was awesome. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on drive-thru RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>